Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast, first of 2022 after a little holiday break. Hope you enjoyed your time off for the holidays and the start of a new year. Brian Pellerin here with your ho- as your host, Juan Montalvo joining me as our as our loan analyst as John uh, takes takes some time to do some professional regular job stuff. So he'll be back around soon, I'm sure. Uh, Juan, happy for him, working hard and whatever it is that he's working on. Yeah, he's getting like a badass certificate in whatever it is he does professionally on a day-to-day basis. And I have no idea, despite talking to him on and off for seven, eight years on an almost daily basis. That's that's a typical man relationship. I feel like I have that with all my friends. But, you know, normal stuff here. We'll talk uh, FSU football. Obviously, it's it's off-season, but um, I, I don't know if there's going to be an off-season anymore, right? It seems like the transfer portal, there's no parameters on it, and the year just never actually stops. Well, I mean, at, at least, you know, while there there isn't like a bowl game for Florida State fans to 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 talk about, there's not a Florida there's not a bowl game for Florida State fans to complain about either. Um and the other <laughs> nice part to that is um I mean, they've been they've been spending that time on the road and with success now. Um you know, they've really done a lot in the transfer portal, keeping key kids. We'll get into that, but I mean, they've been they've been very busy and otherwise, you know, quiet time of year for Florida State. Yeah, you mentioned it. Signing day behind them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we talked signing day a lot in our last episode, and, and you know, you mentioned the names in and out, and, and that we'll get to them, and there's a bunch. Uh, but it's kind of worked out where we were already going to tape this podcast today, which is Friday, January 7th, if you were curious. Uh, and just a few hours before we started, uh, they landed maybe the biggest one they've gotten so far. I, w- I would imagine so in, in Albany yep. defensive end, Jared Verse, uh, second-rated defensive player in the transfer portal, um, landing him over teams like Tennessee and Miami, who were seen as the top contenders for him. And, uh, and this is a position of need, defensive end. And they definitely got one that seems to be a guy who can fill the holes that you're going to have Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas leave on your team. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that you're, you're not going to just be able to replace Jermaine Johnson. He was arguably, you know, the best best defensive uh, lineman in the in the ACC. Uh, he's one of the best in the country last year. He's probably going to go top fifty. You know, he's a little bit smaller than you know these modern tweener end types that they they have in the NFL. But he he's he's getting picked in the top fifty. But a guy like Jared Verse brings to you a very similar style of play. He's six four. I think he's like two forty five, two fifty, and he's long. I mean, he may be 6'4", but, I mean, you can see in the tape, like, he's got arms that just keep going. I mean, uh, you know, talking about the player a little bit, and then we'll talk about the importance of it. Um, He's a pretty big athletic dude. He's long, like I said, and this is, you know, one of the best things you can have in a defensive end is a dude who's like 6'4", with long arms, because it it helps both in the run game and in the pass game, obviously. But, I mean, when you have a guy on the edge who has the length to, you know, be engaged and also have an arm free the the outside arm free and run contain that makes a big difference. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a good thing that they're getting a good body to replace him, uh, to replace Jermaine out on that field side. Um, I think he's capable of playing both the field and the Fox. He's more likely to play the field. Uh, Adam Fuller likes to play a bigger player like a Thomas at Fox, uh, on that boundary side. 
And, you know, someone who's 6'4", 250 in the field side is, is perfect for defensive end. So I think um, the player they're getting is good. You know, he's, he's uh, pretty dependent on his bull rush at this point. Um, you know, I, I haven't do, do, dive, dove, D, divin, whatever. Divin, the word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I haven't gone deep into the film. But, uh, you know, talking with our recruiting guys, Coach AB, uh, Noel Through and Through, Joshua Pick, those guys, uh, they have all a very high opinion of him. He's a high ceiling guy. He's got three seasons to play is probably the best part about it. Um, so that's a big pickup. And going to the bigger picture part of it, defensive end was where you really had probably your arguably your biggest need because it was a, a, a sore spot for you in 2020 and some years before that, you know, you, even with guys like uh, – with Kane Doe, with uh, Brian Burns, with Joshua Sweat, all those guys had a fair amount of injury over the years. And so, you know, Jermaine Johnson provided you a consistent, excellent presence on the edge. And uh, having a guy like Jared Verse in there only only improves the team. And uh, you still need another defensive end. I mean, you're 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 not replacing uh, Keir Thomas overnight either. I've been gushing about Johnson, but Thomas is a is a good player. He's he's a guy who. For the right team, I could see going like third round, fourth round, um, maybe maybe even a little bit better. But, you know, you, you have two big names to replace. But while you do have some guys on the roster you need to get developed, you also need to bring in guys that are going to impact the team, fill the depth that they need. Um, and I think, I think they're doing that. They still need another defensive end, but they're also addressing other positions of need. Um, you want, to, you want to run through those real quick? Yeah, well, I was just going to give a quick uh, mention. You know, I, I could see people saying like, oh, he's a guy from from Albany. You know, it's going to be a big jump to to an ACC level level team. But I, I, I don't you know, I, I don't want that to be a, a hindrance. We've seen guys come from other power five schools to this level and, and be total bus. So I would say don't write a guy off coming from a lower level. I mean, you know, these, it, it happens. Recruiting isn't exactly a. Uh, exact science guys can fly under the radar pretty easily and you know he's got a lot of stats and you look at his list of offers like I said you beat out Miami for this job you beat for this kid you, you beat out Tennessee uh you know he, he had offers from Florida LSU Michigan Oklahoma Texas USC I mean this is not a guy that you just like went and grabbed from some random colonial school I mean this is a this is a guy who can contribute like like Juan said from day one and, and not someone you know you really need to to, I don't want to say worry about because any, any transfer cannot hit, but don't write him off as a, as a smaller school guy um, when, you know, there are so many other names out there, but as one mentioned, I mean, you know, there are a lot of other names in this list that have been um, coming to school here at they're transferring in over the last few months, or at least committing to uh, just to run through them. Uh, they did lose linebacker Jordan Eubanks to the transfer portal. He's he's on his way out. I don't know if he's picked another school yet, but he won't be at Florida State, it seems like. Uh, but they did bring in a linebacker in his place, UCF's Tatum Bethune. Hope I get his last name right there. You did that. Receivers has been a big thing for them. Uh, we know that's been a huge area of need. They brought in three Illinois wide receiver, Deuce Span, um, kind of a smaller, speedy guy. Used to be a, a high school quarterback in St. Pete area. ASU, it's Arizona State. Johnny Wilson, big guy, might be a tight end type. Maybe he's listed wide receiver, but we'll see. Uh, and then the, maybe the biggest name in, in the group here too as well is Oregon wide receiver Micah Pittman. Um, the three of them obviously give you a lot of options. They brought in Louisville DB Greedy Vance. Um, 
I, I don't particularly know offensive line plays especially well or, uh, to say this kid's great, but you know, Wisconsin has that track record for offensive linemen and they've brought in center Caden Lyles as a transfer. And then from Lamar, they got it. What's that? As long as he can snap. Yeah. Can he snap the ball? We'll take that. If you can hit Jordan Travis between the one and the three, that works. And then they get Lamar's uh, offensive tackle, bless Harris, who was originally committed to UCF as a transfer and they managed to flip him back over. And obviously UCF is, is maybe a program that, FSU should be ahead of, but they do have a respectable coach and a, and a program that just beat Florida in a bowl game. Um, <laughs> so, in the yeah, in case you missed it. Uh, but, I mean, you know, you, you get a flip there, and that's that's a, a huge position of needed offensive tackles. So they've definitely put in a lot of work. It's not over, but you got to be happy with what they've put in already just in the last month. Yeah, I think uh, since we last recorded after signing day, you know, the signing day itself obviously was a disappointment um, starting at around 11, well, starting at seven o'clock, but um, really at 1138 or so, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I forget exactly when the hat was tossed off the, the stage, but, um, you know, obviously they missed heavy on signing day overall, although they had a good night um, with, with Armella. But um, you, 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 you had a, a, a big group of positions in need. And they're, they're, they're positions that have been positions of need, you know, somewhat year in, year out over the, the last couple of years. Um, offensive tackle, linebacker, defensive end. Um, and I think you, you I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this one out to, to Noel through and through from the triple option. I'm sorry, the uh, three-star recruiting podcast on the Everything Knowles Tomahawk Nation Network. Um, you know, he's, he, he even threw in the idea of maybe, maybe a little bit of quarterback depth uh, as, as one of those spots, like you still have a few spots in this class that you can fill out. And, you know, we're talking about at this point, what, six transfers in, uh, in the last month, yeah. uh, you've got Bethune, Span, Vance, Wilson, Pittman, eight miles, it's eight. Yeah. I mean, and that's all, well, Harris was before that and Lyles was right on the edge, but I mean, you've had five or six just in the last month. So, I mean, they've been quite active in the portal. Um, and frankly, you know, moving out a guy like Eubanks, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't think that kid is ever going to play for state. He's a three-star uh, and just hadn't, I hadn't heard his name much since signing day uh, a few years ago. So, I mean, I think they're, they're doing a good job of addressing the needs. You've had the issue at center uh, with baby and Johnson gone. You don't have a guy who's got as much physical capability with, with, with most Smith, but it gives him competition. Um, like you said, I mean, it's hard to know what we have in Caden Lyles because he's not a guy who played, you know, 40 games or anything like that. Um, but it's someone to give most Smith competition, and that's that's a darn good thing in my opinion. Um, offensive tackle obviously is a big, big position of need. That's another place I think that that if if I had to, had my druthers, that'd be where I'd you know be telling Mike Norvell to focus. He doesn't need to to be told that. Obviously, I mean, they've gone out and got Bless Harris. Um, you know, out of Lamar, um, you know, one of those schools that apparently exists. Uh, I wasn't aware of it. <laughs> I, I uh, only know of them as a baseball school. Yeah. Yeah. They're in Mississippi or Louisiana. I think, I think it's, I think it's East Texas. I'll, I'll look it up. I think it's, I think it's in Beaumont area. It's in one of those godforsaken areas of I-10. That's about a hundred miles from anything. Yeah. Which is about pretty much all of I-10. It uh, is Beaumont. That is correct. Okay. Beaumont. Beaumont, Texas, Florida State's had other players from there. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think they've done a very good job in the last month in terms of addressing those areas of need. 
there's still more to go. Um, yeah, obviously you really want to get for sure uh, another body at defensive tackle or at offensive tackle rather. I don't think it's as critical as getting a starter level offensive tackle tackle. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, if, if he's if, out there, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. If Laramie Tunstall smokes his way through that door, you bring him in. But <laughs> I don't think there's one of those guys out there, at least at this point, but Hey, we've seen with the transfer portal these days, things change very quickly. Um, obviously. And, you know, uh, the, the depth really, I think, at a defensive end with versus in there is pretty good, but you probably want more, one more body at least. And uh, same goes for linebacker. I mean, um, you, uh, you, you've got, you've got a, an improved group there, I think. Um, and I think that they, they showed they could work around that, that, that uh, linebacker core. Um, but it's also a good thing that they're keeping guys they want to keep. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Robinson, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal the host role for a second and do the transition here. No, go for it. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, the, the other things that happened weren't just, you know, the transfers in and out. Um, you know, obviously keeping, keeping your upperclassmen is a critical thing if you want to succeed in college football, and especially when it's one of your starters. Um, Jamie Robinson may not have had, you know, his best career season or whatever, but it, it, it's definitely a good thing to have that dude back. Um, yeah. That experience in the secondary, he's going to be, I think, a fifth-year guy at this point uh, after his time or uh before uh, at usc i think it was but um anyway you you've got an experienced fourth or fifth year guy there in the backfield who's been with fuller a couple of years now so that's that's good i mean they're they're keeping they're keeping guys who you know frankly i mean i don't think jamie robinson was going to be a top 100 pick or anything but uh you know it's still good to have a guy like that rather than losing him to the transfer portal or the nfl for sure yeah, and I think when you look at this roster and all the moves that they've made, I know we've talked about it quite a bit. I mean, where this roster is in terms of, you know, the blue chip percentage and all those types of things, you just need to get in bodies, whether they are top end bodies or not, you know, startable or right on that fringe level players is is what this program desperately needs and bringing them all in. Great. I mean, it, again, we, there's been a lot of talk of this is the start of, of NCAA free agency and, you know, the, the problems that that may cause or the or, you know positives, depending on how you look at it. Um, but I think it does give you a chance if you're in, you know, Florida State and Mike Norvell's position to overhaul a roster quicker than you probably ever could have. Now, I don't want to set the expectation that that's what this is doing, because. Quite frankly, you never know what any of these kids really are until you get them in campus and get to see them. I mean, obviously, these other schools they're transferring from, is it a situation where they just didn't feel comfortable there anymore? A coaching change pushed them out? Maybe the school said, you're just not going to play here anymore. I'd suggest you find somewhere else to go. I don't know. I mean, obviously, the, this coaching staff should. But, uh, you know, as us sitting here, I'm not really certain. I mean, it obviously, it depends player to player. Yeah, it I mean, depends player to player. You can have a Jermaine Johnson situation where it's a very good player who's in a crowded room and who's trying to get more snaps to stand out for the NFL and you win that lottery. Um, that's, that's, you know, really one of the, those are the types that you really want all the time. Um, right. But the other type I would say is the Caden Lyles type who is, you know, not necessarily actually a very similar situation. He's in a crowded room, the Wisconsin offensive line room. Yeah. I mean, about 50 people in it and they each weigh about 400 pounds and they're full of cheese. Uh, but <laughs> The, the the Lyles kid, I mean, he's one that he's around a lot of competition. 
season opening. I mean, and, and that's really what you need. You, you need people who are eager to play um, and who aren't going to disrupt your culture. And I think in a lot of cases, Mike Norvell has done a very good job of that um, so far uh, yeah. is two, two and a half off seasons, I guess uh, of, of sort of finding guys who will come in and, not necessarily even be good contributors because it's hard to, it's hard to guarantee that in the transfer portal, but that they won't be a negative contributor to the locker room. Like I can't think of one off the top of my head who was, I mean, you've had, you've had several busts in the transfers. I mean, granted you signed 20 guys over three years who are transfers. You're going to have that happen. Um, but I can't think of one who is a truly negative influence. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think they've got, uh, uh, they, they're, they're bringing in good kids, you know, which is helps you build the roster because what you really don't need is sort of what Miami did a little bit under, under Manny Diaz, where he got very aggressive in the transfer portal and brought in some talent, but it brought in some, some malcontents and, you know, made the team uh, a little bit more malcontent. Um, obviously there are a lot, there were a lot deeper issues there that, that are why Manny Diaz is no longer employed. Uh, by the University of Miami, but there's it, it's definitely a balance that you have to look at when you're doing when you're dealing with the transfer portal. Like, are you getting a kid who is a misfit and he's just talented enough that you want to go for him? You know, like the Greg Reeds of the world. Right. Uh, no disrespect to Greg Reed. Obviously, he was just a, you know I wouldn't say troubled player, but a, a, a troublemaking player at times. Let's put it that way. Um, and you've got to be careful that you don't bring in too many of those or, you know, you can have some locker room discontent like they saw at Miami. And, you know, until proven otherwise, Mark Norvell's not, not doing that. He's doing a nice job with it. And addressing key positions needs. So, I mean, there's not much to complain on about at this point. No, for sure. And I think they're making some, some good moves. I think um, if I remember correctly, I know it happened over the holidays, so I might've been a few drinks in when I saw it, but I think Pittman and, and the Arizona State wide receiver were high school teammates where you were able to kind of bring in one, which then brought in the other. I know, um, obviously, LSU uh, had Max Johnson as their quarterback when he transferred out to Texas A&M. Texas A&M also got his brother, who was like the number one overall tight end in the class. So I think as you're seeing that, too, is something also to consider. Maybe the kid who transfers in isn't the greatest, but his high school buddy, maybe next year or whatever down the road could be put, could be part of it as these moves go. It's just one of those changing landscapes of college football. That's um, certainly going to make things interesting. Obviously, like we talked about, this isn't finished. Neither is the recruiting year. We still have another signing day to go there. Um, But I mean, by all all measures so far, they're doing a great job. They're keeping the roster together as, as well as you probably could have. And, you know, they're bringing in the talent to plug the holes that they, that they pretty desperately needed to fill. Yeah, I mean, and uh, speaking to speaking to what you're saying there, uh, the 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 Bless Harris kid, he's from St. Augustine High School in Louisiana. Uh, yeah. Coach Yak has obviously been recruiting Louisiana pretty heavily. It's going to be tough, you know, with uh, the the dancing Cajun Brian Kelly there, but uh, <laughs> to to get the best guys. But there's a lot of good two and three star type players who do, who don't get recruited by. LSU and, and, uh, or Alabama, you know, the two, the two real teams in, uh, Louisiana recruiting these days. Exactly. Well, Although you know, making more of a push anyway, but, uh, he, he's at St. Augustine high school in New Orleans, or he's from there. And that's as good a football program as you'll see in Louisiana. So, I mean, yeah, you've got, you've got to take advantage of those sort of relationship building 
opportunities where you can as well. And I think that's pro- not, you know, a primary component in getting a guy like Bless Harris. You got Bless Harris because you need an offensive tackle and Bless sure. Harris an offensive tackle. It doesn't hurt that he's from St. Augustine in Louisiana. Right. You know, and, and that's that's one of those things that I don't I just I just wanted to mention is something that doesn't often come up in the portal conversations where it's like it could also open a lot of doors to things. Of course, you're going to see a lot of movement and, and God knows what. But, you know, as we mentioned, they held the roster together. I don't want to do too much window shopping around, um, but I did see I know Oregon or well, Oregon, uh, Oregon of the South, I guess what we call them. Miami has added another coach, which is. You know, Wait, I, did you actually did you actually just like mistake? That was a Freudian them? slip, sure was. Yeah, no, I mean you might as well just call it, you know, Mario Cristobal's uh, uh, <laughs> Eugene Gables or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I mean, it is. Yeah, I, it was supposed I, to be the coaching staff to end all coaching staffs, and it's basically yeah, what just Brady and Mike Ditka. I mean, all these guys that were supposed to come out of retirement and uh, fix it. John Gruden, I guess, is canceled, so he can't do it for <laughs> this time. But I mean, yeah. you had uh, you had some very good names that were in the in the you know quote unquote rat race for Miami, and uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it hasn't worked out. It's basically just been the random dudes that were on on uh, Mario's staff, and uh, there's one or two good ones on there. But I, I was literally looking earlier um, this this evening at their coaching staff and who they have on there right now, and I was like, oh. Joe Brady didn't go. I forgot about that. Like yeah. <laughs> Joe Brady decided to remain unemployed rather than go and coach in Miami. So, but everybody else, it's like, who are these dudes? And I mean, I know that you can say much of the same about, you know, some of Florida state's coaches in their past relative to let's say the Alabamas of the world. But I mean, Miami came out there guns blazing with an $8 million contract or whatever it is for, for Mario Cristobal. Yeah. Um, with all this word, they were going to spend all this crazy money. They're going to invest in the program. You know, I was one of the, one of the, one of the few Florida state fans who, you know, believed it to a point that th- thought that it would actually become an impediment. Um, I don't know what they're doing. Like they, they clearly have the money and they're clearly willing to spend it. I don't know if it's that unattractive to coaches or other schools are just paying gobs more than, than, than Miami wants to or thought they could afford. Um, I don't think it's a budgeting issue. I don't know what's going on down there, but it's funny to me. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, just comparatively, I mean, we've had a couple of recruits in the last few weeks pick Mike Norvell and Florida state over Miami. You know, I think those are, those are obviously wins that are, that are great when you see a, you know, it's easy for a, I don't want to say it's easy, but when a new coach comes in and he's got this, um, new car smell about him, you know, I'm new, I'm here, I'm going to fix the U. And he was already, you know, they were already in the list. It's, it's good to beat those schools out to show you have that momentum as well, even though your coach isn't as new, you know, it's, it's a good momentum builder. Um, you had well, something there. That really speaks to, to how important stability is in college football. Um, Correct. I mean, you may, you may not ever win a national championship with Mike Norvell, um, you know, I, I don't know if he'll ever get that chance. I don't think, you know, I, I, it's very difficult for anyone, need, anybody to do that right now. Right. Jimbo Fisher is now at the point where he's starting to out recruit or to recruit at the level of Georgia and Alabama. It's going to be five years before he can, you know, really, really compete and kill, kill if he's doing that. But yeah, like you said, it's always better. It's always good to beat those guys in the recruiting trail. I mean, they don't have an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, and that really speaks to, how important stability is in college football. Mike, Mike Norvell's staff, no one's going to, gonna you know, go out there and say Kenny Dillingham and Adam Fuller were major splash hires like 
say when uh, Jimbo Fisher hired Mike Elko as his defensive coordinator his first year at at uh, at, at A and M, um, you know, Jeremy Pruitt hired, or I'm sorry, uh, Jeremy Pruitt went to Georgia with Kirby Smart. Like big marquee hires like that don't necessarily mean you know you're, you're if you don't have those, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be bad. Um, and stability, having the same program, the same scheme, the same continuity, it's huge. I mean, it, 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 look at what it did for Wake Forest. I mean, they obviously have a somewhat innovative scheme, um, but their their basic principles and formula have been the same for eight years under Clawson or whatever it's been. And it's, it's, it's interesting because it's very similar to how Jim Grobe ran that program. I mean, they would sort of have waves every handful of years as they built the roster together to, to a certain point um, they can, couldn't sustain it or they couldn't sustain the numbers because they just aren't a high level school. But you know, they, when you get the right combination of quarterbacks, experienced players along the off um, along both sides of the line and just a cohesive team, you can play above your level. Um, and I think in recruit above your level for that matter, and obviously Florida State's not Wake Forest. You're not looking for a, a team to go become 60 year seniors and, and all that sort of stuff. But um, it, it, it's important for recruiting for the program to have continuity, even if Mike Norvell is never going to get you to the, you know, to the true, you know, the real finish line you want to get to. Yeah, it's all about moving in, in just that general direction. And obviously to continue that momentum, it's it's obviously very important. I mean, you can look around and see just how quick things collapsed at, at UF to be, you know, continuing momentum, even if you skyrocket, it doesn't really help if you can't continue it and sustain it. That's the hardest part in all of it. Um, I, I know overall wise in, in, in Florida state world, I think that's really pretty much what's going on. I mean, this is, I guess, obviously episode off season number one. Um, so I don't want to drag them out too much. We are working on trying to get some interviews with you guys, coaches, uh, maybe the AD, just working on some fun, different ideas for the offseason to fill the time along with the transfer portal. They'll obviously continue a bunch. Uh, we thought maybe a basketball thing, but, you know, is the basketball season already over? I just just put it out there. Is it? I mean. For me, the basketball season ended. The day it started? Well, you arrive, like, you know, football ends, right? And the natural is, okay, now it's basketball's turn. But if you turn and look, I mean, there's seven and five overall. I, I looked online at some bracketology stuff earlier to see, you know, what if it was something to talk about. They're, they're at like a 30% chance to make the tournament. They got to get to 20 wins, but they've already had a bunch of games canceled. It just seems like already a tough climb, even in even in early January. So I won't I won't take you into the ins and outs of, of tomorrow's conference game. I think it's Louisville. And, you know, baseball six weeks away. So, you know, at, at the, uh, you know, importance of your time versus the same as ours, I don't, I don't want to bore you. With that, you know, I mean, but yeah, so it is. Say, the only thing I'll say about the basketball team is they're probably a little bit better than they look record-wise. Right. Ken Palm has them as top fifty. They're not a bad team, um, but uh, this is definitely not one of one of Leonard Hamilton's strongest teams, of course. And and you dig yourself an early hole. It, it's tough to come out with. So instead of instead of going basketball and and you know making the two of us try and figure out a way to to entertain you with that. Uh, Juan, do you have thoughts on the college football national championship game on Monday? We've got Alabama Georgia rematch. Um, I, I'll give you a second to think here because I did do the uh, bowl pick'em with the with the group from Tomahawk Nation. If you're in that, very exciting. Thanks for joining. I think we had like 60 or maybe it was like 45 people join. I'm third, can't win. I'm going to end up at best second. 
Um, I took Georgia. So if you want a little, little preview on that, I, I took Georgia in that one. Um, I did pick against LSU for anyone who was curious. It was pretty obvious that 30 scholarship players and a wide receiver at quarterback wasn't going to be what won us a game. But um, yeah, I, I took Georgia in this one. Um, I just, I'm going with the principle of Alabama's best matchup. The first go around was John Mechie, uh, the super talented wide receiver. He's obviously out with the 20 ACL at this point. So I think it took a pretty special Bryce Young performance to beat Georgia the first time. I know Georgia couldn't move the ball at all, but I, I'm going to just chalk that up as an outlier and, and lay the two and a half and go with the dogs. What do you think? Uh, uh, I, 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 I'm not sure what to think. I mean, I think it's an interesting style matchup. I mean, you know, defensively Georgia is as good as anybody, but the, the last team to light them up was Alabama. So right. put it on them. Yeah, I mean, and they lit them up. It wasn't even, you know, they were they were better than the normal four yards play. It was like, all right, we're going to take them to the woodshed just about. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not that big a fan of this Georgia team. I mean, they're so sad offensively. It's just – it's like it, – it's not like bad or anything. I mean, they're not completely 1940s uh, – uh, yeah, meat grinder rush the ball, but they're just. They, they, I don't think they're taking advantage of the talent they have on offense, and I think that's probably at the end of the day what will, for me, tilt my thoughts at Alabama's favor. I know that the, they don't have the offensive line that they did three, four years ago, but I mean, Bryce Young has, on his better days, been you know the Heisman winner. I mean, yeah, and if if he shows up and plays a a B minus or better game. I don't see how Georgia's able to score the ball enough. I mean, or you know, move the ball enough to 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 to, to keep up. I mean, I don't have a lot of confidence in in Stetson Bartholomew uh, Beauregard <laughs> fourth, but uh, I mean, he's obviously a decent player, or he wouldn't have unseated uh, uh, J T Daniels. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I, th- I think Alabama's a better team overall. Just better coached um and i know that georgia is a well-coached team but you know one of them's alabama and, and until until proven <laughs> otherwise saban in in the in in the national championship game scenario is hard to bet against yeah it's an i'll see it when i believe i'll believe it when i see it type situation yeah i i, I don't know I, I part of part of the issue with georgia too is the the uh, skill player they use the most is an 18 year old tight end you know, yeah. it's tough to rely on an 18 year old tight end to be the difference maker in, in your games against Alabama. Well, here's the problem. That kid, uh, Brock Bryce, I think is it, is that, uh, Bowser Bowser. Yeah. Or not about, is it Bowser or Bo Bowers? Uh, Bryce Bowers. Yeah. Bowers. I made him a Mario super villain. Yeah. Uh, fucking Mario over here. Uh, <laughs> but, so yeah. Uh, so, but Bowser is a, fantastic player i mean one of the better tight ends we've had in college football in a long time uh he's fun to watch honestly but he's he's one guy and the problem the problem is a tight end a guy like that who's like your 6'3 235 240 pound guy that moves really well he's great against 80 percent of teams because they don't have a guy who is a, a a corner who's big enough or you know a safety who's big enough to really you know be the matchup physically or they don't have a guy or they don't have a linebacker who can cover them. Alabama has both of those. I mean, they have defensive backs who are going to be six, one, 200 pounds. 
they've got linebackers who are 6'4", 225, 230, and can cover. Uh, I, I just – where he presents the matchup problems for most teams, Alabama's much better suited to, uh, to, to, to neutralize it. So I, I don't think that – I'm sure that he'll have, you know, his moments. He's an excellent player, but he is – not going to be able to run the game by himself like he did, you know, the last few few times we watched him on TV. Yeah, I, I was surprised by how well they performed against Michigan. I, I was an idiot and had Michigan plus like seven and a half. So now I w- would have really liked to see Alabama versus Michigan. I think that would have been a much more fun matchup to watch. But uh, I, I'm not one of these people who is anti rematch. Um, you know, in in especially in the playoff era, I I think it, it's it doesn't bother me that we're seeing two really good teams play again and two teams that I like watching Georgia's defense. I'm not going to say I like watching their offense. No. Um, <laughs> I don't think even Georgia fans would, um, but the, you know, Alabama, they're a fun to watch team now. I mean, obviously seven, eight years ago, they were what Saban did for 15, 20 years successfully, but now they're spreading the ball out. They're playing quick. They're, you know, playing four receiver sets, and they've got five-star receivers everywhere. Um, I mean, they're them against Michigan would have been a much more interesting matchup when you got someone like Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I think Michigan's offense is a lot more dynamic, obviously, than Georgia's. Uh, and I think that you know the while they obviously didn't do well against Georgia, I think they could have presented some matchup problems to Alabama. Yeah. But who knows? Obviously, it's something we'll, ne- we'll never get to see. <laughs> we'll never find out. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I, I was surprised, and I don't want to drag it on, but the conversation about the playoff, the semifinals being blowouts, being an argument against expansion, I felt like it was four. I, I felt like I, I'm always in favor of more meaningful college football games. I don't know why eight is such a divisive thing. It, I, I feel like it allows the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl and the Peach Bowl and the Orange Bowl to all be part of the process, and then you can still have your let's play a championship in Vegas for no reason whatsoever type game. But, <laughs> you know. I think if that's the way we're going with college football, I, I don't see why it's such a bad thing. But again, I don't want to drag it out, so I won't get on that. So well, I'm going to I'm going to drag it out a bit because I I really would just as soon go back to two. I mean, to me, there's no reason why it shouldn't have been jockeying for you know between Alabama and Michigan as to who was going to be, or I'm sorry, as uh, Georgia and Michigan as to who gets the number two this year. It obviously would have been Michigan. I mean, you can't yeah. you can't give a team who just lost the conference championship to their opponent again yeah Yeah. i mean you know they spaced it out they spaced it out a couple weeks in recent year or previous years uh notably the 2011 i think it was lsu alabama yeah 11 season the january 9th 2012 not that it's a a wound in my chest (laughs) game of the century one was nine six nine to six was second was 21 nothing that's right. 21, nothing. Yeah. It was, yeah, it I mean, was, I think it was like three field goal. Like we, we held him in check for nothing for a long while. And then Trent Richardson busted a long touchdown run and the floodgates just were wide open at that point. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, the, the, the thing for me, like that nine, six game, that was a defensive masterpiece. Like, okay. Beautiful. Yeah, sure. Justin Jefferson may be the worst quarterback in the history of college football. Uh, or not Justin. <laughs> that his, what's, That's his name. Justin? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jordan Jefferson. Justin Jefferson's the receiver for the Vikings. That's right. I always confuse the two. Um, it's his brother. So yeah, it's, it's easy enough. But yeah. but one one's good. One's really good, and one's not. Um, <laughs> and uh, 
the 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 pitch that that Justin or Jordan uh, Jefferson made during that nine six game, or was it or was it the uh, twenty one nothing when he flipped? You're talking about when he flipped it right to the linebacker? Yes, yes. yeah, it's twenty one nothing. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the one of the funnier moments in a college football national championship. I'm sure you are. Well, I was a child. I was you know sixteen. I know I was. Let's see. Uh, quick math. Yeah, I was like sixteen. Yeah, Shoot, man, I was out of college at that point. <laughs> Yeah, I was sixteen. We probably got listeners who would be who are going to be like, I was on, I've got my, like my second grandkid at that point. Yeah, I'm not sure how many over sixties we have in our uh, demographic, but hopefully we we get more. Um, you are a good consumer uh, for the AARP parts of our <laughs> advertising sponsorship uh, packages. Uh, this this podcast is brought to you ad free, and uh, we've only got two minutes left here, so I'm going to do, do. We normally. Um, play play a little game at the end of this thing and typically i just like to make something up on the fly and so i'm gonna ask you to well it's hard it's hard to rank them all so you're gonna have to give me your top three fast and furious movies i haven't seen any of them less than a minute you haven't seen any of them not a single one you'll be surprised if you can how about this we got 90 seconds roll through as many movies as you can i'll tell you yes or no if i've seen them i bet you it's more no's than yes all right fast and furious no Tokyo Drift. No, none of them. I've seen none of the. I've seen none of the Fast Furious. You can just cut that whole series. Oh, 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 oh Die Hard. I mean, like all of them. No. Die Hard Two. No. Die Hard no. Three. None of them. What the hell, man? I've seen like no movies. I'm more. I've been more of a video That's game guy growing up. I just never saw a movie. That's a wrap. Get rid of this guy. That's a wrap. Hit the music. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.